So, Father, I just thank you for Corey this morning. Thank you for the word that you've given him to bring forth. And I just ask you, Father, that that bread that he's gotten from you, that he's ready to multiply that. And, Father, just open our hearts that we may receive, that we may eat, and that we may be enlightened by you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Marlon. Y'all doing all right today? Good. It's good to see you guys. I'm excited that I didn't blow it last time and I got invited back to share. So that's positive, right? Um, I've been sick lately, so if I pass out, it is not a Pentecost thing. Come, come get me. Pour some water on me or something, all right? Uh, I'm going to share a story. Um, I'm going to share a story about Jesus to open up because maybe that will stop my hands from shaking so much. So, Jesus is out doing ministry, right? I mean, for three years of his life, Jesus started his ministry, and he went around preaching. You know, so that's where a lot of the content of the Gospels come, is just stuff that Jesus shared with people, right? So, he's, he's out ministering. He has the disciples. He's talking to crowds. He's doing all this stuff. And then the disciples come up with an idea. And this is one of those examples in the Bible where the disciples show themselves to be bozos. And that's going to that's gonna come up a couple times today, so... I'll get back to that. But so they go up to Jesus, and Jesus had just been talking about how he's going to die, right? And he's going to come back. And he's been talking about the kingdom of God. And they, you know, so the disciples start concocting these notions in their head. And so they come up to him, and they're like, hey, Jesus, um, so, hey, uh, you know that, like, throne room thing, right? Who's going to be the greatest in heaven, right? So they, they got ideas, don't they? Like, they're trying to figure out, well, you know, Somebody's on the right hand, somebody's on the left hand. You know, is that going to be Peter or who? Or like, they're trying to figure it all out. And Jesus is, um, I love Jesus. Because I, I, I love how like he, he doesn't necessarily point out like, you guys are bozos, stop it. Right? But he, he teaches them. So they're in this crowd, there's people milling around, there's families. So Jesus grabs a child, sits down and brings this child up. And kind of puts this child in the middle of the group. Right? And let's read through the rest of it. This is from uh, Matthew 18, uh, chapter 1. Don, I'm going to do the message version, or, or Denise, or whoever's, if somebody's got that. Oh, cool. So it says about the time the disciples came to Jesus asking, who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? Right? Who's going to be on the right hand and the left hand? For an answer, Jesus called over a child, whom he stood in the middle of the room and said, I'm telling you, once and for all, it's not once and for all, because I keep going, once and for all, that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get into it. Right? So he's not even answering their question to begin with. Right? He's like, whoa, chill out. <laughs> right? Before you even, let's not even talk about heaven yet. Right? Because you guys aren't, aren't there yet, aren't there yet. He says, whoever becomes simple and elemental again like this child will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the childlike on my account, it's the same as receiving me. So Jesus says, it's... Be like a child, right? Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will be the highest in God's kingdom. Remember I said the disciples are bozos? Right, so if you keep reading through, this is Matthew's gospel. That's chapter 18. You get to chapter 19. And we have, we have another just thing pop up. It's like, guys, focus, pay attention. And I'm actually going to read from um, Mark's version, but this comes from Matthew 19 also, if you're curious. Um, now I'm going to read from... Somewhere. Awesome. Oh, hey, yeah, it is Mark. Chapter 10. Did I give that to you, Denise? Mark 10? 
Awesome, great. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus. So Jesus is out praying again, right? He's giving messages. He's praying for people. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on. The disciples rebuked them, right? It's like, no, 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 not kids. We don't have time for kids, right? What just happened in chapter 18 where Jesus himself like goes and pulls a child. He's like, you got to be like a child. And now people are like, oh yeah, we're going to bring our children to Jesus to get prayer. And the disciples are like, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't having it. But Jesus is like, you're bozos, you're bozos. So when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children into his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So what's it mean to be a child? Right? When we're approaching the Lord or going on this journey called Christianity, right? What's it mean to be a child? We're going to be talking about that today. And here's my... um, Here's my thesis for the day. Being a child in the Lord is being innocent. And that's, I mean, that's a pretty common notion, right? Childlikeness is equal to innocence. Okay, so what's it mean to be innocent? Here's my next suggestion. Innocence is the opposite of experience. As we experience things, we become less innocent. Right, and that's, that's not even a bad thing, right? And that's not nefarious. There's nothing evil about that. But as we grow up and we experience things, we become less innocent. Right? Until we grow up. But there can be challenges in that. As we become less and less innocent... And we become less and less childlike. I'm going to work through some of those things, okay? And um, a lot of these things, again, remember, this is just a natural progression. This is just what happens when we grow up. Right, so the first thing I'm going to talk about is we get smarter. Right? We learn stuff. We go to school. We get educated. We realize things. And there's a point, you know, at some time, and we talk about this at youth group every once in a while, Um, You know, maybe junior high, maybe high school, where it's like self-realization, like, I know stuff. Whoa. You know, it's kind of like Descartes, where it's, I think, therefore, I am. Except for for the middle schoolers, like, I think, therefore, I know better than my parents. Right? And that that can continue on into high school. But there's this, mm, maybe danger that comes with knowledge. Because there's pride that comes with knowledge. Like, ooh, I know so much now. I'm so smart. Right? I know, um, I know uh, talking to people, especially when they get college age and they start learning stuff and you have conversations. You ever have a conversation with like a freshman in college and they come back and they're like, this is what I know now. And you're like, huh, okay, good. And I was that same way too, so that's why I can pick on them because I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm so smart because now I know about astro- astronomy and like maths and stuff. And I thought I was so smart. But that happens, doesn't it? And then the worst danger than becoming prideful is that our perspectives can change. And I think especially like in the college world, that's super dangerous, right? Where we start learning all these things that are facts, but then our perspective all of a sudden is focused here. 
not focus there. And so the way that we interact with those facts or deal with those facts lead us to con- conclusions that are crazy, right? And I mean, especially, you know, I don't want to get too, like, historical or whatever, but post-enlightenment, when people were all of a sudden like, oh, we don't need God anymore. We know so much. You know, and that's kind of this, this trend that we're still on, especially in that world is I can think for myself, I know for myself, I'll tell you the way it was. And, you know, and it, it, it kind of creates this issue with science. I love science. I think science is fantastic because it's a study of the natural world, which the Lord created, right? But if our perspective is messed up and we kind of take the Lord out, we can, our science can be messed up too. Um, that's something we talk about at youth group sometimes also. But we learn things, and we know things, and we develop pride. I mean, if you don't believe me, I mean, it's not too far into Genesis before we see that that's, that's the fall of man, right? As our eyes are open, and all of a sudden we know stuff. And our perspective gets messed up. You know, we think we know better than we do, or we you know, think we know more than we do, perhaps. You know, and even Pentecost, Right? I mean, the Holy Spirit came back. It's not a surprise. Jesus said it was going to happen. But all this stuff starts happening. And then, you know, there's the guys over on the side. And they're like, oh, I will figure this out with my rational mind. Mm, They're drunk. Right? And that's like the natural, like, let me work through my process and reason out what's happening. And the guys are like, dude, it's the morning. They're not drunk. This is something else. Right? The guys are like, hmm. They're just drunk. I don't know. You know, whatever it is. And it's, it's that... That perspective that gets messed up when we think we know stuff that we don't, or we apply it in a way that's not without our perspective on the Lord, right? Um, You know, I think um, that's just natural, right? We learn stuff, we know stuff, we grow, and I think that's part of the human journey is what's, what's my interaction with that? What's my struggle with that? How am I going to... Um, align the things that I learn with the things that I know to be true about the Lord. Because I, I think that's legitimate, right? I mean, there's lots of little T truth that you're going to come across, guys, that you're going to learn, right? Things that are true because you, you know them to be true. You learn them, you study them, you figure out that these things are true. It just doesn't mean it's God true, right? And keeping your perspective, God true is first, and then how does all that other stuff fit into the big picture of who God is? And it's hard for us to do sometimes because we're proud and we think we know so much. You know, I think the other challenge is that sometimes we, um, you know, in our experiences is we experience things that cause, that cause us to know stuff that we probably ought not know. That I don't think we're part of the design for us right? I don't know at what point I experienced rejection for the first time, but I know probably about fifth grade or so, I had self-confidence issues, right? And I was thinking about this. This came up in my mind a couple weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago when we were praying about the joy of the Lord and somebody got a word about dancing. You guys remember that? Anybody? Does that sound familiar? That really happened, right? Okay, okay. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. I love it when they dance. This joy of the Lord is awesome. Look at that guy dancing, right? And I just, there's this, like, self-consciousness about, like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one up there dancing. Like, that would be, that would be crazy. 
because I've experienced something that perhaps I ought not have experienced. But I did, and it's part of the deal, and it's part of the journey, right? There's this band I like called Johnny Swim. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. Um, but they have this song about, they, they wrote it trying to create what to them was like, what's the Irish drinking song for the people, for everybody? You know, because there's this, you know, they go to this restaurant, or they go to this restaurant to watch um, Titans games. And afterwards, this Irish band would come in and they play and everybody, you know, it builds community and everybody's happy. And they're like, what's this for like everybody? And so they wrote this song and they have this line and it says, I want to sing what David sang and I hope you sing along. And I think about that when people are up dancing. It's like, oh, I want to dance like David danced, you know? But there's this, there's this catch. Because David didn't care, right? David wasn't hindered by this experience that he had had to prevent him from engaging the Lord in a way that was joyful. Prior to becoming uh, king, uh, David goes out and he reclaims the ark. And they bring the ark back into the city. You guys know this story? Right? And he's dancing in front of it. And he loves it. Right? But not everybody loves it. Saul's daughter, specifically, is all nasty about it. Like, you're so undignified. And David's like, oh, you think that move's undignified? Check out this move. And he starts doing this other thing. He's like, I can dance. And then afterwards, they call him out. They're like, you're out there acting like a fool in front of all these people. He's like, exactly, because I'm praising the Lord. And it's going to be a testament to all these people, right? So I, you know, I, I think that ideally, being able to experience the Lord in a way that's free from these not natural experiences would be ideal. Sometimes we see things that we ought not have seen. Right? Whether that, I mean, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy nowadays. I mean, you turn on a TV anywhere, anytime. You go to a movie, right? And you see stuff that you probably shouldn't see. I remember, um, gosh, when I was in second grade, I went to my second cousin's birthday party. And they had, like, the big event of the night after ice cream and toys was horror movie. And I remember being, like, like playing with trains over here. I just, it, it was, I don't know. It was awful. Like, who likes that stuff? But it always stresses me out. I think it, I think it stems from that moment when I'm at a movie and little kids come in. You know, even like the Marvel movies, which are fun, still PG-13, right? And then like kids come in and sit in front of me. I'm like, there's probably going to be language in this movie and things that happen to people that I just don't want my kids to see. You know, not, and again, this is a natural thing that happens, right? As we grow up, we're going to be exposed to things. It's just going to happen. I mean, even if you're just world conscious, right, and you watch the news, you're going to be exposed to things. You're going to have experiences that are going to make you less innocent. The Bible says that, right? This is back to Matthew 18, when Jesus is talking about receiving the children and how childlikeness is something that he's honoring, right? The innocence of children is something that he's honoring. You need to be childlike. So in verse 6, he says this, but if you give them a hard time bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd better be dropped off in the middle of a lake with a millstone around your neck, doomed to the world for giving these God-believing children a hard time. 
This is important. Hard times are inevitable, he says. This is Jesus saying this, right? Hard times are inevitable. But you don't have to make it worse. Right? I mean, there was this period of time where I was looking at, um, I was watching the news, just kind of, I checked news apps or whatever pretty daily. This was about a year ago. But it was almost regular that one of the headlines of the news was something often happening to a child. Caused by their parents, usually. And it was like, what, is, what in the world? It's because the devil hates it, right? I think the devil hates innocence. The devil hates that because he knows. I mean, he's not an idiot, right? He's read this. When Jesus says, that's how you come to me, like a child. And that's an avenue that now the enemy has to prevent us from connecting with the Lord because of experiences that we've had. And if he can create a negative experience for us, that creates baggage for us. And then all of a sudden we have a hindrance or a block or an emotion or anger or whatever it is, disbelief, suddenly now, because our innocence was taken away from us in an unnatural way. Right? Whatever, remember what Jesus said. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But woe to you who makes it happen early. You know, and then talking about things that we see, that can be, again, not necessarily a bad thing, not necessarily unnatural, but we know so much now, right? We're so smart. And we know God so well. And a lot of times we think we know better than God himself knows. So it can be challenging for us when we see the Lord do something, or not do something in a way that we expected or didn't expect. Does that make sense? And so suddenly we have, you know, and maybe it's just because we're so smart, or maybe it's because of the baggage that we have and the expectations that we've built, where we can then get callous to the Lord. No, I'm not doing that. What do you mean you're not doing that? What do you mean this isn't going to happen? Because surely I know better than you. Right? And we get that way. And then something doesn't happen. And Dean's like, this is year three. This is crazy, Lord. You know, but breakthrough's coming. Just not in a time frame that you would have probably in the moment appreciated. Right? Especially in this McDonald's world. You know? 10 gigabyte download speed. Is that still the norm, Scott? That's pretty good. Oh, that'd be really good. Okay. All right, so, or whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, we want it now, right? Whatever it is, I'm going to get it. I'm not, I'm, you know, Blockbuster's not even open anymore because I'm not wasting time going to the movie store. All right, I'm getting on my TV and I'm ordering up the, whatever movie I want to watch. I mean, that's how we interact with the Lord sometimes. Like, I need it now. What do you mean you're not doing it now? Right, and I know people have turned away from the Lord because it wasn't the way that they thought or it wasn't the way that they wanted And all of a sudden, that experience that we've had that's made us less childlike has really created an issue where we can't get to the Lord like he's called us to. You know, there's... Sin happens, right? That's part of the deal. We're going to grow up. We're going to experience stuff. You know what sin is? 
This is one of the things that I really love about God and how practical he is. You know, how many, Dean, how many covenants are there? Or commandments? How many commandments are there? Right, and then there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just in Leviticus, there's like 250 or something like that, right? So there are all these commandments that the Lord gives us. The Lord is not a list giver, right? The Lord is not like sitting up in heaven, like kind of like thinking up like, ooh, what's a way that I can take away happiness from these people? Ooh, no bacon, right? I mean, that's not what he's doing. It's super practical stuff. Like this, listen, I just saved your hide from Egypt. You're not going to kill yourselves, right? I'm not going to let you get into the desert and die because... You don't have the technology at that point to clean your food properly. All right, so this is what you're going to do. I mean, a lot of it's just super practical stuff. But sin is the stuff that keeps us from God, right? And as we engage in that stuff, it, it, it keeps us from the Lord. It separates from the Lord. That's why we need to come back to him so much. That's why we need Jesus. And Lord, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. But when... You know, when we experience those things, another super easy way for us to separate ourselves from the Lord, because a lot of times sin is really good, seems good, you think it's good in the moment for a season, right? I like this. I want this. I I actually prefer this. And that's another way for people to have this innocence taken away from them and drive a wedge between them and the Lord. And back to the kids thing, it's better to put a millstone around your neck and jump into a river than take away the innocence of a child. And the Bible's full of them. In the Old Testament, it's not, you know, there's just, it's a slightly different notion, but it's about you got to take care of orphans. They don't have anyone else to take care of them. There's 27 verses in the Old Testament that specifically deal with you got to take care of orphans. It's about protecting the innocent. It's about taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. Thankfully for Sozo, right? I mean, if it wasn't for Sozo, I'd still be dealing with stuff, you know, that I ought not be dealing with. Stuff that happened naturally along the progression of life. Or maybe unnaturally, if stuff was introduced where it shouldn't have been. But there's an out. Right? It's the invitation from Jesus, isn't it? He doesn't say, you need to be a child right now. Come on. If you're not a child, go that way. Only the children come. Right? You need to become childlike. So how do I do that? Lord, how do I regain my innocence? And it's just, I just want to interject this. There's um, a, uh, this is one of those times when English kind of creates barriers, I feel like. Because it's just not a great language for describing stuff sometimes. In, so, for example, we're talking about becoming childlike. A lot of time that's looked down upon, right? That notion of childlikeness, like, well, stop being a child. Right? Well, Greek has several different nuances for what it means to be childlike. For example, when you're talking about what it means to be children, it's different than like in Corinthians when Paul's writing the church there and he says, you know, when you were a child and thought like a child and I put away my childish things. Different idea, right? There are parts of what it means to be a child that are encouraged and honored if we're willing to have it. 
Again, that pride thing, right? I'm not going to be a child. The disciples had it. They had just witnessed Jesus, as an example, bring this kid up and say, this is how you need to be to enter the kingdom of God. Stop thinking about who's greatest. You got to start here, right? And how many verses later are they like, get the kids out of here. This isn't a place for kids, right? High and mighty, because they're bozos. Here's an aside on that. Thank the Lord for using bozos, right? Because how, how more often does that really mimic me than not having my act together, right? And the, the Bible's full of it, full of this example of people of the Lord using bozos, right? I mean, Byron's working through um, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was a piece of work. He was angry and depressed and like had all kinds of issues. I mean, pick somebody, David, right, who I used in an example earlier of being childlike and being commendable in that way, right? Bozo. So thank you, Lord, for using bozos. Because again, doesn't that work against our humility? So we're not so proud, oh, I'm so smart, I'm so good, I go to church all the time and I know all these verses and yay for me, right? Confounds the wise, isn't that right? Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, I didn't put this verse up there, but there's a spot in um, there's a spot in Luke where Jesus says, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you reveal them to little children." Because there's a lot of things in our experience that we don't receive so well things that the Lord's doing, things that the Lord would like to do, both corporately and individually. This is something I want for you. But we're like, you know, think through whatever it is, like whatever reason we have for not agreeing with that. I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't believe in that. And then all of a sudden we're someplace between where the little kids coming up to Jesus and over there with the disciples who are being bozos. So, becoming childlike, right? That's the invitation, after all, is to become childlike. Jesus invites us into that, right? And we've talked a little bit about what that means to become childlike. Or at least what it's, what it's like to become not childlike, I guess, is probably a better way to say that, that we've had these experiences. Well, what's your experience? What experience have you had that's a block or a hindrance or created issues. You know, we talked about how pride is one, right? That we think we know more than we do, or we don't want to ask for help when we desperately need it. You know, maybe it's things that you've seen that you ought not have seen that's now creating an issue with you and the Lord. Maybe it's jadedness. I expected this from you, Lord out of my own mind, and I didn't get it. You know, and people have a hard time then recovering from that sometimes. You know, I don't know, maybe it's just that undignified dance move that David was doing. I was thinking, you know, it probably wasn't like the sprinkler, like what was the ancient Egypt equivalent, and it was like the stone throw, like the slingshot move. I told myself I wasn't going to do that, but... It seemed, seemed fitting. 
right? I'll show you. And then, oh man, that story's crazy. Read the rest of that story. Um, because the Lord's crazy. Don't, don't poo poo what the Lord's doing, right? Saul's daughter gets the business. Um, so, well, dear Lord, I just ask for some, some clarity this morning, Father, for some revelation from you. And the places that, you know, I'm probably not even equipped to think about in my own heart and in my own mind, in my own place, in my own experience. What's the, what's the experience, Lord, that I have now that is hindering me from you? What's the thing that's going on that's creating a block in the way that I engage you or that I come to you? Lord, I just, I just first, I repent, Lord. I repent of thinking so much of myself, of the stuff that I know. Lord, and I just want to give that up to you. Father, I repent of that and I just acknowledge that you're God. You know all, Lord. And I'm willing to give up some of the stuff I know and submission to you, Lord. So what else is it, Father, that, that's preventing me from enjoying you to your fullest? That's keeping me from enjoying your kingdom right here and right now? You know, because I talked, um, last time I gave a message, I talked about, um, you know, it's not just about getting by, right? We can all get by. We can do that. That's easy peasy. Well, I mean, sometimes not, but when you're sick or your kids are sick or whatever, but... We can survive this, but that's not the point, right? I mean, may your kingdom come now, Lord, right? When we enjoy you now, Lord, we walk in that now, Lord. And what's the thing that's keeping us from that? Keeping us from living with the Lord like that now. And I'm sure that's a different answer for everybody because experience, right? Everybody's had experiences. Everybody's experiences are different. So the answer for you is going to be different than the answer for me. But I think the Lord really is inviting you to think about it and perhaps get over some stuff, move past some stuff, give him some stuff that's not yours to deal with. Never was. But for whatever reason, you picked it up or held onto it or you thought it and you still think it, or you know it. You absolutely know this thing to be true. And if it's not the Lord, then you need to give that up too. So I think the Lord's um, interested in, in working that. You know, I really, gosh, the so what matters to me more so than it did when I was a young, young preacher. Because, I, you know, I, I've, I used to give sermons all the time. But I don't think there was a so what to it. You know, it was more teaching. I thought I was so smart when I was younger. I didn't have anybody come to me and say, so what? Right? But the so what is the Lord's desperately interested in being close with you. He wants you to come to him. He wants to have that relationship. That's the point. We've been created for communion. Right? God, in his essence, is plural. God is community. And we've been created for that community. But there are things that are, have happened or things that happened to us or things that we think or know or have done that prevent us from enjoying that community to its fullest. What do you got? Give it up. Because the Lord's happy to take it. It's not yours anymore. 
You don't have to deal with it. You don't have to have it. You want to transition to you? Thank you, Corey. I was right on. Well, we got another 20 minutes. I'm going to preach for another 20 minutes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thank you, Corey. That was awesome. You know, I mean, there's a lot of truth to what he's speaking, you know. I mean, there's times in our own lives, you know, from trials to disappointments to family generational stuff to you name it, all that stuff does cloud things that, you know, that innocent part that the Lord wants to bring back. And it's the Lord's generosity that he has given us Holy Spirit himself to actually bring us back to that innocence that we had in the garden in the first place. You know, which is a total dependency on the Father himself. And absolute trust in that in his goodness, he really wants to give us good things. You know, because when I look at my kids, usually that, you know, their first instinct in Christmas is not that they're not going to get any gifts. They trust that actually I've thought about it. And I'll provide that for them. And that's an innocent part on, on the end that I know in my own life I didn't have that part. Because in Africa, we don't do many gifts, man. And if they tell you, you got food on the table, you're doing good. Merry Christmas. <laughs> the end. You know? So some of that stuff, I myself didn't grow up with it. But I, like, but I love seeing my kids having that joy of receiving good gifts from me and Mary. You know? So... I just, and then there's something else that I, that I sense too when, uh, oh, you got something else you want to add to that? Okay. When Amy was singing that song, you know, talk about the fire, please fire, let it come and burn the stuff in us. And it was something that the Holy Spirit was inviting us to at that very moment. You know, and as Corey finishes up what he's saying, I just want to give you guys an opportunity to really respond to the Holy Spirit. You don't have to like come up here, but just where you are. Let that fire come and touch your heart. In those places where you feel either they're dead or there's disappointment or discouragement, whatever it is. Amen? Here you go. Sorry, let's, let's chalk this up to nerves, um, but I'm going to share a quick story. We got, we got tons of time, so I don't feel bad about it. Um, the first time I went to the ocean, I was probably like five or six. Kind of remember it a little bit. But then the next time I went to the ocean, I was 23. You know, so I knew from movies and stuff like that, but we went to, um, with the Wallace clan to um, Isle of Palms, and there's, you know, if you're going around through Mount Pleasant, there's this bridge that you drive over, and at the crest of the bridge, it's not buildings, it's not beach, it's just the ocean. And I, I just, I still, like, that was, like, one of the most impactful things to me, is just seeing the majesty of the ocean. And how great and awesome and wonderful the ocean is. I, like the next morning I took my guitar down to the beach and wrote a song about it because it, it just, it meant so much to me. And then this, um, you know, or that it really resonates with me, that John, Jonathan Helser song, You're in an Endless Ocean. Gosh, that song just crushes me because I, every time I'm at the beach, and I don't, well, not even the beach, every time I'm at the ocean, right, and just look at the ocean, the endless ocean, it just, it just fills me with wonder. This past spring, we took our kids to um, the beach for our first family beach trip. And there was just this, this, such this touching moment when my two-year-old daughter ran into the waves. Like the innocence of this child running out into the, just the majesty of the ocean. 
with no fear and just fun and just play and just enjoyment in our heart. Right, I think that echo is that picture we see of Jesus calling the kids to him, right? This greatness. I mean, it's Lord incarnate on earth, right? Jesus here. And he's like, what's the most innocent thing you've got? Bring it to me. And how those things mesh is so perfectly, so wonderfully together. And we're called to that kind of relationship with him. Easy, fun, running in and splashing around. I don't like to do it because I get sand in my underpants. Right? But Amelia doesn't care about that. She comes back in with sand everywhere, but she's just loving it. She's just enjoying it. Right? Because she doesn't know any better about sand in her, you know, all over the place. <laughs> she's going to have to clean it up later. When you've taken your eighth shower for the day, because that's how it is. But that, that's what we're called to, I think, guys, is just that, that relationship where as a child, we can just run into the arms of the Lord and just be embraced, right? And if there's something hindering you from that, let's deal with it. That was good. Come on. <clears throat> so obviously you can, you can feel that invitation from the Holy Spirit. And actually when he was saying that, it reminded me of, uh, you know, we, me and Mary took the kids to uh, the beach down there in South Carolina. I can't remember what it's called now. And, uh, all the friends and stuff like that, and we're in the water. And Violet was, you know, all my kids, man, they were catching every wave that came in. They were just going berserk. And while I was, you know, the place that I was standing, I could actually feel a jellyfish starting to sting me, okay? And my youngest daughter is, you know, she's standing in front of me, and I'm trying not to freak out and yell and go berserk. Because <laughs> I don't want to freak out because she's, she's enjoying the ocean, you know. She's not thinking all about any jellyfish, not one bit. And, uh, and as soon as um, I felt like it was moving on, the next thing I heard is just this loud scream. And I knew instantly what had taken place. So I grab her, take out the water, and, you know, try to do whatever you can to relieve some of the pain. And it took a couple of years, actually, before she actually trusted to go back in the water. But you can tell how that innocence is so easily stolen at that very moment because you just have a really bad experience. But after a couple of years... You know, actually, in those two years, she just made me dig these uh, little pools. Like, Dad, can you dig my own little ocean over here? Because she didn't she want, want nothing to do with that part. But that was a, I mean, but, but each year got closer and closer to the waves. And then finally, she just started jumping back in the waves. Now I even think about no more jellyfish. So I just want to encourage you. Sometimes the Lord brings you through some of those paths. You know, he might dig like a little pool for you get you closer and closer back to the ocean we can actually enjoy yourself again afresh amen and restore that innocence so we can have the ministry team come up if we have the ministry team, please do come up and i'm just gonna pray generally that the holy spirit will touch you and uh and just give yourself to the lord and give the lord that opportunity to really heal stuff in your heart Allow the Holy Spirit to touch those places in your heart. So, Father, I just thank you for the message and the bread, Lord, that you brought through Corey this morning. And we just open our hearts to you, Father, this morning. Say, touch us anew. And let all those experiences that we had, Lord, even in this year, in the past year, in the past few years, let all that stuff break off of us, break off our hearts. 
and renew our eyes and our trust level back to you, Lord, knowing that you're a good Father and you wish good things for us. So just release that upon us, Holy Spirit. Just walk on us from the time we leave here, during the week, during the month, during the year. Just help us, Lord. So if you want any further ministry, you can come up and allow these lovely people to lay hands on you. And if not, you're allowed to just enjoy the music or you can be dismissed and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And we all say, Amen. Like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that's tested, covenant of old, your love is enduring.